Okay, fine. We're here. Let's maybe put this here. Oh, before I forget, I may always forget this. Everything we do is recorded and put on iTunes, go into podcasts, go into Sold NYC. Right? Sold NYC. All our classes are on there. People are like, why didn't you tell me this? I'm like, I don't know. I just forget. But like, we record everything and it's there for free. Whenever you want to listen, you can just go through the topics if you're interested and you can listen on your, on your iPhone. And yeah, just so, okay. So, like, this is the most amazing, amazing month in the Jewish calendar. Um, what we may or may or not know about Jewish holidays is it's not at all about history, it's not at all about an old story or an ancient custom that's like something nice to do just for the sake of tradition, but like not really related to my current life. Judaism is really the holidays through the year are spiritual peaks and spiritual kind of currents that come down into the year that you can tune to tune into and plug into to maximize your own potential at this particular moment in your life, in your in your life, in your year, right? And every year is different, and every year, depending on who you are, it's different, right? And you can either ignore it, which you can happily do, and then just show up and have a big meal on Rosh Hashanah and say, okay, happy new year, I am great, wonderful, have a wonderful time. Or you could choose to tap into the power and the potential that's really here now, right now. We just had Rosh Hashanah Elul yesterday, so you're at the very, very beginning of Elul which is the best time to be here, like to be there and to be like starting to think and be conscious about this stuff. Um, and be able to plug into it so that you can then maximize it for your own growth. Um, I don't know, I think very, very few people in the world, very, very few Jews in the world actually know that this exists and this is something you can do. I really, I really don't think anyone has any idea that, that the power of the Jewish holidays and how they are potential for change and you get extra divine assistance in those months before those holidays or on those holidays to grow and to shift yourself. That's the whole point of the holiday, right? People don't realize that like Passover is about breaking free of your limitations, right? Pesach is about freedom. So, okay, it was an ancient story that happened, but it's also about breaking breaking free of our own limitations and what's keeping me stuck. And if you tune to plug into the energy, say, of Passover, the, the spiritual light of Passover, the potential of Passover, especially the month leading up, you can transform yourself and smash your own limitations in a way that you cannot do through the, through the rest of the year because you're accessing the power that's available to you in that time of the year because that's what the Jewish holiday is. That makes sense. So Rosh Hashanah is the most, one of the most powerful, powerful days of the year and it defines your whole next year. Rosh Hashanah, you are actually judged. Every single person is judged on who they are, not judged like we would judge ourselves. We judge ourselves very judgmentally, right? God assesses who is who is this person? Like, who are you? And what do you need for the coming year to become your best self? What experiences, what opportunities, what resources, what connections, what right? This is what is happening on Rosh Hashanah, and you want to kind of be in the best place you can be for Rosh Hashanah. You want to show up to the it's like the best job in the world. You want to go refreshed, having had a good night's sleep, you're not coming hungover, you're not coming tired, you're not coming dressed slumpy. You dress up, you look good. Like you try and look your best self, feel your best self, and be in the best place. The only problem is you can't fake it. You can't fake it. It's not an external thing. It's a very deeply internal thing. So the only way we can really, really get to be in the best place on Rosh Hashanah is if we really worked, at least for the month before, to be in the best place for Rosh Hashanah, right? People don't realize this. If you look in the, the prayers, oh, we'll go into, I'll go into a deeper idea about that later because it's a bit, it's a bit esoteric, but right, well, I'll get to that, but... If, if you can't fake it, it's not like the night before, like I'm going to cram for an exam. It doesn't work, right? Um, so what happens now is Elul, this month called Elul, is 
filled with this spiritual potential and spiritual assistance. The, the theme of El is called the king is in the field, so to speak. The king being God, in charge of running the world. And he's in the field means he's available to us in a way. There's, there's a sense of being able to access your relationship with God in a way that's more palpable, more tangible. There's divine assistance in how you want to grow in your own self and in, in changing things, in, in healing things, in mending things, in correcting relationships, in correcting your own relationship to yourself. Whatever it is you're trying to work on, there's extra, extra divine assistance right now for the next month. Enormous. So it's like a crazy opportunity that most people just don't even know about and don't access and don't. And the more you plug into it, the more you see it, the more you feel it. It's subtle. It's not in your face. You have to actually pay attention. You have to see it in consciousness to it, right? So, um, so what I thought would be helpful is, and by the way, the most powerful time of year is going from now Elul to Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur and then to Sukkot. And that whole stretch is the most holy, powerful time of the whole year, right? Um, Elul is also about, um, if you look at, we look at the idea that um, star signs and zodiac, right, go in alignment, obviously, with Torah, right, because everything that's true aligns with Torah on some level. So, for example, I don't know if you follow star signs. Do you follow star signs, Sam? You know a little bit about them. Most women know something about them, right? So I'm, I'm, in, I'm born in Elul. That's probably why it's my favorite month of the whole year. Not really. I really do love Elul. And um, Elul is Virgo, right? Mostly it's Virgo. And Virgo, Virgin, is about renewal. It's about constant renewal. Yeah, being constantly growth-oriented, which is totally my personality. I don't know, right? I know a couple of other Virgos are totally their personality. Are you a Virgo? Yes. Yeah, totally your personality. Right. It's, it's about constant renewal, even wanting new things. The travel bug is often connected to that. I want to see new things. I want to experience new things, right? Yeah. So it's, it's in the muzzle. It's interesting because I don't know if this interests you, but it, I thought it was amazing that the idea, I think I shared this with some of you, um, the story going into... You know, when we when we went into the Passover story, right? What happened? We we um, we were in past we were in Egypt, and there were all the plagues, and then we got taken out of Egypt. When we got taken out of Egypt, we basically just no, we did nothing and just watched all these signs and wonders, and then we followed out into the desert, right? Like the sheep, we were just following. What's oh? What's the what's the star sign of sheep? Or the ram? Aries. Aries. Oh, what's, when's that? About April, May. Interesting. Oh, that's what place up is. Oh, interesting. Oh, so then we went into the desert. We were dumped in the desert after that, right? We saved from Egypt, brought out all the plagues, dumped in the desert for 40 years to, like, work on ourselves. Yes. And we had to work on ourselves. What's, what's a working animal? Bull. Bull. Oh, what's the star sign of bull? Oh, Taurus, May, June, next month. Oh, and then interestingly, we got led to Sinai after working on ourselves, building up, and we landed at Shavuos. Right, it was actually 49 days later, landed at Shavuos, and we became partners with God in receiving the Torah. That's the whole idea of Shavuos, was about being partners with God, right? We had to build ourselves and work on ourselves in the desert. We were led out like sheep, we did nothing, we didn't earn anything. Then we had to build ourselves and work on ourselves, and we were in the desert. And then we arrived at Sinai to receive the Torah in a real way and become partners with God. What are partners? Gemini. Twins, Gemini, right? So you see the story of Judaism goes along with the muzzle of, of, um, of the Zodiac. Or I should say the other way around. The Zodiac really is aligned, obviously, with the Torah as a blueprint of life. So, so too, Elul is about renewal in Virgo, which is really cool. So, um, so if we want to like, just go back again, so what's the history of Elul? The first Elul ever was the craziest time of year for the Jewish people. 
right? It was the craziest time. In order to understand the power of it now, you have to understand a little bit about when the first time it happened, right? If ever we want to understand anything in Torah, we go back to the first time it happened or the first time it's mentioned in the Torah, right? Or we go back to its root and its name. And we look at the root of the name to see what the essence means if we want to understand something, right? So the first Elul that ever happened what was when we got led to Sinai, Shavuos, we received the Torah. Moses goes, okay, great, I'm going to go up to the mountain and I'm going to get all the details of the Torah up on the mountain. And he comes back down on the 17th of Tammuz to, to, like, with his Torah and we miscalculated the days that he was up there. And he came down and we had given up. We already gave up. We said, he's not coming back. He obviously died up there. We don't really trust that he's coming back. Everyone was very nervous. They miscalculated the days he was late, so to speak. And when he came back down, we'd already built another type of intermediary to, to connect to God because we thought we lost Moses. Moses was our intermediary. He was our, our messenger to talk to God directly. We lost him. Let's create another type of messenger. And we created what's called, what was known as the golden calf, right? The golden calf was an idol. It was completely forbidden. Moses came down and saw it. He completely freaked out, right? He smashed the tablets. This was like the most biggest, biggest betrayal. It's like it's like a, a groom having an affair on the wedding night kind of thing. Like it was just like horrendously, horrendously tragic for, for everyone. And what did he do? God said wanted to destroy us at that point. At that point, he felt like we were, we're beyond repair, and we completely created such betrayal in the system that we're no longer worthy to be here. And God wanted to destroy the Jewish people and either start again or just destroy. I mean, I don't know what God's thinking was, but He wanted to destroy the Jewish people, and. Moses went back up to the mountain for another 40 days to beg forgiveness and mercy for those 40 days from the 17th of Tammuz to um, till Elul, right? And he comes back down and God says, stop praying. Stop praying for the Jewish people to survive because if you keep praying, I won't be able to say no to you. It'll invoke my mercy on such a level that I won't be able to say no and I'll have to be forgiving. It shows you, by the way, the power of prayer. So Moses did not listen to God, and he kept praying for the Jewish people to, 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 to save us, to give us mercy, to give us one more chance. And he, in a sense, rose above what we call din, judge, strict judgment. He, he made, this, made, in a sense, that time rising above strict judgment and mercy, and he brought down that mercy into the world on Elul, the first of Elul, Rosh Chodesh Elul, which is when he came back down to say you've been forgiven to the Jewish people. And so we are sitting in now the month of Elul, which is a time of above nature. This is a time this month that's above nature because that's what Moses created it to be, right? We are above natural cause and effect this month. It's, it's a divine month. It's a divine month of providence where God is involved in your life in an extremely merciful way above what should be natural for us in our life, right? And that's because the first Elul was created that way. That's when we receive forgiveness for something we shouldn't have really received forgiveness for. And then most of the rest of the story we know, Moses came down, said, you've been forgiven. I'm going back up to get the next Torah, the second Torah. Goes back up another 40 days. Those 40 days are from Elul till 40 days. Yom Kippur. Yes? So that's what we're in now. Nalini. Hooray. Welcome. Who's the famous Nalini? from Seoul. She's an amazing, amazing teacher at Robinson. We'll have you for Shabbos. Um, um, so we're in this time now, this time that's above, uh, above strict, meaning normally when I say above strict judgment, what do I mean? I mean, normally when you do something in life, you do something and there's a direct effect, right? Cause and effect. 
I do something, there's an effect. This time, everything's suspended and there's enormous mercy and enormous help. And there's enormous revealing of God's presence in your life if you want to see it. That's what it means by being above judgment and above, um, above din. So, um, okay. So what is the other pattern that you notice? The other pattern is he went up for 40 days, he came down, he went back up for 40 days, he came down, he went back up for 40 days. Oh, we're 40, days in the, in 40 years in the desert. Oh, there was 40 days of the flood. Uh, what, is, is this something going on about 40, right? 40 is a power, powerful number of change. It takes 40, 40 days or 40 increments to change something permanently. So actually it's interesting. They say that the, the, the gender of a baby, right, sex of a baby, is created in the 40th 40th day in the womb, right? It takes 40 days to solidify the sex of the baby in the womb. So 40 days is the is the sort of I guess number that it takes to break a pattern, to create, for form something, to change something. So we have 40 days exactly from Rosh Chodesh Elul, which was yesterday, to Yom Kippur, right? And there's a custom to take on something small that you want to change in your own character or your own personality, or your own, whatever it is, your own growth, your own observance, or whatever you're observing. 40 days to do something small that is every single day working on something that you will then, you know, take on to Yom Kippur, just for 40 days to show God that you're also growing and trying to work on yourself. And also, if you really want to change something, those 40 days are very powerful 40 days. So, like, I have a little chart by my bed, and I have a few things on it, very little things that I do once a day only, right, that I want to work on, like a certain muscle. We know when you change something in your own patterns, it's not easy, right? You're certain, there's certain ways you operate in certain patterns that you're just used to operating that way. You're used to responding to people that way. You're used to viewing people a certain way. You're used to having certain reactions in certain situations. That's just like habit. We do it over and over again. And in order to change it, it you need to like, it's like pushing spiritual weights. You have, to, you have to like push, like someone told me today they were working on anger, right? They want to work on their anger. Not that crazy anger issues, but they often get irritated and agitated by little things. So we had a whole discussion like, how do you work on your anger? Oh, you don't work on anger, you work on building patience. You can't get rid of anger. Anger happens when what? When, you, when I can't bear the discomfort of something not going my way. That's when I get angry, when I can't bear the discomfort of something going my way. So if I want to work on my anger, which means to increase my patience, I have to increase my ability and my threshold to bear something not going my way. To bear the discomfort of something not going my way. So what do I what do I suggest? I said, okay, for five minutes a day, I want you to press a timer. And for those five minutes, you're not allowed to show any external sign of anger at all. Not even like a oh, not even a or like an eye roll or nothing. Not not any external sign of agitation, irritation, annoyance, frustration, nothing. Right? And you just why? Because that's pushing weights. Right? Someone cuts in front of you in traffic, you just bear it. Right? Tolerating and bearing the discomfort of something not going your way is building patience, for example. Right? So that would be an example where just do that five minutes a day. So it's like doing a spiritual workout five minutes a day, every single day. By the end of 40 days of doing that, you can imagine, right? You would feel, di- you would feel different. Right? You could do it for longer than 40 days. But that, that's the kind of thing that I, I'm encouraging you because um, I have printed out here, I think I have enough copies. A little, a little booklet, handout, of, um, it's like double-paged categories of things to think about for this year. I mean, this, this month, sorry. This month, 
is really about starting to reflect on your life. And it's really about reflecting on who am I? How is my year? Let me look at my year in review. Did I really achieve who I, who I could have been this year? What was on track? What was off track? Where did I feel I fell short in my relationships, in my work, in my expression of myself, in my higher self? Right? Where, and it's very hard to do that. It's a massive topic. Hello, like every area of your life. Like, it's a bit overwhelming. I always found it overwhelming. So last year, I decided to put down some topics that I think just trigger yourself to think about it. Right? Even things down to, do you have any one stuff that you should be returning? Like, like little things, like before the end of the year, let's clean up. Let's like clean up all the, the loose ends. Do you have anything you should return that you said, I'll borrow this book and I'll, you know, I'll give it back to you. And it's sitting on your bookshelf for like six months later. Like it's so common, but like you've got to give it back. Right? These are little things. Or um, apologies. Who do you, this is a hard one. This is the beginning of starting to think, who did I wrong? Who did I offend? Even if it wasn't my fault. Who did I hurt? Right? Who did I, if you hurt someone, you're responsible only for the part that you played. Not that they weren't, it doesn't mean that they were right, right? It's funny, I have a favorite thing I post on, on around Rosh Hashanah or the 10 days. It says, apologies doesn't mean you, apologizing does not mean that you believe the other person is right. It, it, it means that you value your relationship over your ego, right? You value the relationship. So, you, so just apologizing, like who did I hurt? And like, the, the scary thing, I don't want to freak you out, but I kind of will, is that you don't even realize who you hurt half the time. Or it's so quick that you don't realize it and they're not going to tell you. I remember one year I was, um, I was in Israel and I remember being so overwhelmed in Elul of like, not even, I knew I wouldn't remember the things I had to make amends for. Like there's so many things that we don't even remember. So you can't even then correct anything if you don't remember it. So I remember once saying, in one, I don't know, saying to God one day, like, please show me anyone I've hurt that, I, that, I'm not, that I'm not remembering, please bring it to my memory. Like, give me a memory. Or give me a, remind me. Remind me that if there's someone I need to say sorry to that I didn't say sorry. About a day or two later, I remember seeing a girl in the, in the hallway. I was in a, a building. And all of a sudden, when I saw the girl, I suddenly had a flashback in my head that second that I saw the girl to a wedding I'd been at with the girl maybe a year before. And I remembered all of a sudden... It was like a memory popped up where we had done shtick. If you've ever been to an observant wedding where you do shtick, they make, they make the bride and it's a mitzvah to make the bride and groom laugh. So a lot of times people will do all sorts of crazy dancing and juggling fire and standing on their head and do all sorts of crazy stuff. And we were planning a, a certain funny skit for the bride that we were at at this wedding. And she came up to me, this girl I'm looking at, and she said, oh, can I be involved? And like, we, it was something we rehearsed already and we planned and rehearsed and it was like we had certain people already involved. Just, there was no way she could be involved. And I said, no, 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 we've already done it, sorry. Like, and I ran off. And I remember in that moment, her face had a flash of pain. But in the moment, I didn't realize that the music was loud, it was a quick exchange, and I went up to the, to the thing and we did a thing, right? I kind of just blew her off. A year, nearly a year later, I see her in the hallway and I see this flash of a memory come into my head of that wedding, of that moment. And I went, oh, and maybe I offended her, like really hurt her somehow. So I, I said, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but can you just come into this room with me? Like I just took her into somewhere private. I said like, I don't know if this is even a thing and like I could be crazy and whatever, but do you remember that wedding when we did this, this shit and whatever and you asked me to be involved and I kind of like brushed you off. I just wanna like apologize in case I hurt your feelings, like I didn't mean to, like whatever. She burst into tears and bawled her eyes out on the spot. 
and I was sitting there, honestly, my jaw was open, and I was like, I was in such shock. And she's like, you don't even understand. I thought you hated me. I thought you didn't really like me, and that was proof. That was the last straw for me. That moment for her, she built up something in her head that she thought that was the last straw for, for that was the last thing that I, she, I, I didn't even know about this. I had no idea this happened. And she was bawling. And she said, it means so much to me that you apologized. And this woman was a convert. And the converts you have to be extra sensitive to, right? Because they have already left all their family to become Jewish. And it's like, you have to be, as a mitzvah, to be extra, extra, extra sensitive to someone who converted. I don't know if you know that. It's an extra thing, right? As well as other people like orphans and widows and other people who've gone through other pain. But, so this was extra mitzvah, right? To the extra that I hurt her and she was a convert and I didn't know and I had no idea that she had this whole thing in her head and she really wanted to be friends with me and I kind of just brushed her off and in her head that was proof that I didn't like her and she was sobbing in front and I, I was just hugging her in shock and I remember just going, right? Thank you, right? And if you ask for that, if you ask for reminders, if you ask for look, start looking, remembering honestly, not with judging yourself, like people like to, we don't like to think about these things. We feel bad about ourselves. We like to we judge ourselves. Like, oh no, I'm fine. Like we get defensive with ourselves. Like not such a big deal. I don't need to do that, right? No, this is not a time for ego. This is not a time for trying to be defensive. If you even think you may have hurt someone, it cannot hurt at all to say, I'm so sorry if I offended you that time. I didn't mean it. You know, if you think there's a, a moment where there's a question, it's really worthwhile. And it's just worth going up and saying, sorry. I'm just so sorry if, if I hurt you. Like, even if you think that you had a reason, there was a good reason why you were in the right. Even if you're in the right, even if you are in the right, you still don't want to hurt someone else. You can still say, "I don't want to hurt you." I, I'm sorry, I hurt you. You know, I had, to, I had to fire someone at one point, and I remember really, really hurting her because I just didn't know how to deal with the situation. It was very. She did a lot of things that weren't right. But you know, I did. Even firing someone, you don't need to hurt them when you fire them. Right? So I apologize about a month later or two. I'm so sorry, like I'm so sorry it didn't work out, but like just because it didn't work out doesn't mean right? It doesn't mean I had to hurt you. I didn't I didn't mean to hurt you it ended up being like that. So is this making sense? Um, the, this month is not about fixing everything perfectly. Right? This month is not about doing it all and fixing it. It's about starting to think what direction do I want my life to go in. What direction? Like going in the right direction. Are, are, things, are things coming into alignment? Are things coming, right? It's really a time of reflection, making sure I'm on track with my bigger purpose. You know, what themes came up this year? Were there any themes? Were there any accomplishments? What were my flaws? What were my major wishes? These are just like reflective things, right? Obstacles and goals, our individual purpose. Again, not, these are not all things you can necessarily answer quickly. These are things you might want to speak to other people about, your mentors. Rabbi, Reverson, myself, Nalini, we're all available, right, to discuss Miri. Even down to little things like looking after my health more, looking after my physical health more, getting enough sleep, taking care of myself, right? My big thing this month is not looking at my phone before I say blessings in the morning, right? Not putting my phone before my connection to God, right? I, try, I did that last year and I, I slipped during the year, so I'm trying to correct it this month. I did that last year around Yom Kippur. Um, I'm doing some other things also, but um, immediate family. You know, how would you like to support them, interact with them, or move to the next level with people in your immediate family? Relationships that could be improved. Yeah, being a better daughter, a better sister, right? A better auntie. 
these are, these are really, how could I be, what would take it to the next level? What would improve my relationships? How could I be more of a giver? What do I need? And it could be, it's not all rosy. You need to have a hard conversation. You need to have a difficult conversation with someone. I'm saying, you know, I need to, I want our relationship to move to the next level. I want our relationship to be stronger. And in order for that to happen, I need to also share like some of the things of how I'm feeling. Is that okay with you? Most people wouldn't say no to them, right? But people hate these conversations. They hate, they will avoid them like the plague. They hate it. So they don't go near it. You pretend, 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 maybe day before Rosh Hashanah, I don't know, like a couple phone calls, sorry, sorry, you see people, you know. Oh no, the, my favorite one is the Facebook posts. <laughs> oh my gosh, you'll see them come up, pay attention. I just want to say I'm sorry for anything I've ever done to anyone, which means I don't have to see any of you or pay attention to any situation that I ever did because I'm just saying one blanket, sorry. And I'm hoping that it's going to make everything okay, okay? That's really what that's really what that's like. That's the subtext to those posts. It's absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't really do anything. It only appeases their own guilt. So now they feel off the hook. So they don't really have to think about anything. They didn't say sorry to anyone. They didn't get apologized. They didn't ask forgiveness for anyone. They didn't. Nothing was fixed. No relationship was healed. They just feel better, and now they feel they're done. It's crazy, right? It's not was there. It's another form of we say Egypt, right? Denial. Get it? <laughs> Terrible joke. I keep, I, keep, I keep trying to use it, but no, use it I, don't, I use it because I think it's funny, but no one thinks it's funny. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a dad joke, right? <laughs> I know. I think I'm turning into like dad jokes. Anyway, you get the gist. So I'm going to give this to you for today to take away with you, or I can email it to you if it's easier, and then you can just go through and fill it out. I'm totally available this month um, on both, just in case you lose it on the way home. Okay. You like having digital? Yeah. Um, but I'm available if you want to like talk through a certain scenario or a certain thing that you know you should be dealing with but you just don't know exactly how to deal with it. Sometimes they're the ones you avoid and they're the ones you need to most address. Right? It's the easy ones we, we like to... Um... So, okay. And Teshuva, right? All of this is called sh- Teshuva, right? Teshuva, Teshuva, however you want to say it. Teshuva means what? To return. Return to what? To God or and... And yourself, your higher self. Meaning, on some level, when we do these things through the year, we kind of slip away from our higher, our higher self, the most elevated self that we could be in this lifetime at this moment. And teshuva is a process by which you return back to that higher self, which means you have the highest relationship with God, the highest relationship with others, the highest relationship with yourself, right? And it's actually quite an, again. You see that in this time, teshuva is is what's divinely assisted. And teshuva itself makes no sense. Teshuva, the process of returning to yourself, makes no sense because you already did things that were wrong. So what the heck am I doing with, okay, I'm going to admit I did something wrong and go up to someone and apologize and correct anything I need to correct if I need to return something or give back something or whatever it is. And then I'm going to like never do it, say I'm never going to do it again and try and really commit to that. I'm going to feel the natural regret that goes along with that. And then I'm going to ask forgiveness. And if I follow those five steps, then God erases it off my spiritual account. What? How on earth is that cause and effect? It's not. It's above din. It's above nature. It doesn't make any sense. It's supernatural. And so God put into this month, between now and Rosh Hashanah, specifically the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, a special special help and divine assistance <coughs> to help us do this process called Teshuva, to return to our higher self. It's above what's natural. It doesn't make any sense. It's special. It's, it's beyond nature. Right? 
And who doesn't want to take to take to take advantage of that, right? Who who wouldn't want to ride that wave? That's really what we're sitting in. So there's all sorts of halachas that go along with teshuva. I just listed about five of them, right? The processes of going through of when you realize you wronged someone, what you should do, admit it, it was wrong, and like confess to it, admit it, um, and admit it to the person, admit it to God, and feel genuine regret for it, right, in your heart, and then go up and apologize or give back if you borrowed something or broke something or replaced it or money or you owe money, whatever it is, fix it up, and then you have to actually ask, commit to never doing that thing again, whatever that thing is again, as much as you could possibly commit to it, and ask forgiveness, right? It's a whole other class on how to go through those steps, but they're basically the steps of any kind of teshuva and correction, um, with, especially with relationships, right? Um, does that make sense? Any, any, you feel free to jump in with questions or comments or... My family calls it, the book is open. Right, the book uh, is open. Careful. Which book? <laughs> the Torah. Torah and? And? Which book goes open? There is a book that opens. During, yeah, it's the book that that all everything is written in that you do, which is not the Torah. It is the Sidur. No, I'm saying the book in the next in the in Shemayim in heaven in the next world wherever these things happen. It's a metaphor that we say it's written in. Isn't this cool? It actually, it's in the Sidur. It says it. It says the book is book of life. What's it called? The book of life and death. Right. The book of life and death is open where everything's written and things are weighed up. The book is open because that's the time that now it's being looked at and assessed, right? Rosh Hashanah is when it's being assessed. And between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is when it's sealed and closed. So after Yom Kippur, the book is no longer open, right? The, the time for assessment is really specifically between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the 10 days, right? They call them the 10 days of Shuvah. And it says that if you were given a judgment on Rosh Hashanah for the year that wasn't even maybe so favorable, and you really, really, really worked on yourself even between those, just those 10 days, not even hell. You really worked on yourself to change something, you can completely change your judgment and be sealed for a different thing on Yom Kippur. So those 10 days are crucial. Like a really, those 10 days, are, it, we're leading up in intensity from the first of Elul all the way up into Rosh Hashanah towards Yom Kippur. As far as like, if there's ever a time in the year that you want to kind of be on your best behavior, that's, that's the time. Right, at least those 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Hopefully three of those days are in short. <laughs> right, so that leaves a week that we have to be on our best behavior. Right? Okay, so just to finish, I have no, long, I have no idea. Okay, that's no, 15 minutes. Um, and then we'll just take questions or I don't know if you have any. This is like a lot of information and a lot of um, application to your own lives, right? This is not, I'm just throwing out information, but it's really about the application. So um, that's the most important thing. So as far as Elul, Elul in Hebrew is Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. Right? Aleph, Laman, Vav, Laman, El Lul. And there's all sorts of hints in the Torah. Many, many, many hints to these four letters El Lul. Aleph, Laman, Vav, and Laman. Right? All sorts of hints about what this month is and how special this month is. And the famous, famous, famous one is Ani Ladodi Vadodi Li. Right? I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. Meaning there's a certain special closeness between us and God in this particular month. Very, very special closeness. No matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're not doing, right? This is very, very special closeness. Um, they describe it as a time like when the young bride is going towards her groom, right, for the first time at a wedding, if you've ever seen that moment. Like, it's such an exciting and special time. That's the time of El between us and God. There's a feeling like that. So what blocks this closeness? 
or blocks the closeness.
my name is David. David? Okay, please come back. We're, having, we're, we're back on full mixed classes, everything, I think, in a week. See, can I have a place in time and everything? Yes, are you on the, are you on the email list? No, I don't. Oh, you saw it on Facebook? Um, Malini, you get his email and we'll, I'll put you on. I've been to previous events, but more on Okay, so Malini will give you, Malini will give you, we'll take your email. Sorry about that. Huh? <laughs> what, what? It's not, it's not me. I think they like the center and they come to the thing. He doesn't know where I am. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's very, oh yeah, it's all about me. Yeah. It's all about me and like the famous thing me. Um, <laughs> perfect timing. Yeah. That was great now. Um, <laughs> so, Lot and Law, right? Lamad Aleph, Lamad Vav. You with me? You with me? Stay with me. This is yeah. awesome. This is absolutely amazing. It's from Ramosha Shapiro. Right, Lamed Aleph and Lamed Vav. Spells Lot and Lot. Lamed Aleph means what? No. Right? For those that don't know Hebrew, Lamed Aleph, Lot, means no. Right? Lamed Vav means what? Huh? To him. Lamed means always to. Right? To him. So you have Elul. The word Elul literally makes up no and to him. So weird, right? Deep, beautiful, deep idea that in Elul, to the degree that I negate myself, my ego, to the degree that I am Lot, right? That I am nothing in the sense of my ego, to that degree I'm with him. To that degree I'm to him. To the level that I can let go of my own arrogance and negate my, nullify myself in a, in a, in a good, healthy way, not in a, an unhealthy way. In a healthy way, nullify the ego. To that degree, I can feel the closeness and be to him. Isn't that cool? I just thought it was so powerful. So that's really, and now we, now we head into the real, real, real work and focus spiritually of Rosh Hashanah and what we're doing on Rosh Hashanah on that day. Because all of the correction and all of the tshuva and everything about getting everything in my life aligned and on track and with perspective is all about the idea of stripping away any blocks and any barriers. So that I can stand in the ultimate closeness with God, and the way to do that is to. Is that distracting? Distracting for me? No. Okay, I've got The way to do that is all the all of this tumor is really for that purpose of standing, being able to clear away any blockages, which all of the things that we do that are called avaras are really about blockages and disconnections and not working, like they're broken, right? The word ra which means evil, right? Loshen hara, speaking gossip. Ra really means a type of brokenness, a type of uh, disconnection or brokenness. So I'm trying to fix all the brokenness in me in order that I can feel connected and I can stand in the best place in Rosh Hashanah. And the whole goal of Rosh Hashanah is to make Hashem king over my world, meaning I choose to let go, let God. You know that beautiful phrase, let go, let God. It's like, oh, it's so cute. I'm going to post it on Instagram. Right? Right? I post it on Instagram. But really what it means is that I have to really let go of my own ego and my own agenda, that I'm really in charge of my life and I really know what's best all the time and I really, right? That's really what it means. And to the degree that I can make God actually king or ruler over my life, meaning I can really surrender, I can really let go, to that degree I end up actually making a space for him to come into my life and lift me up and make everything awesome and right and I feel the most fulfilled I feel the most close to to my highest self 
right, when I can do that, all of those things, that that closeness is really for us. It's really for us to feel like we can be in our best self, our highest self. Chuva is about returning to that highest self, which feels the best when we're connected and there's no blockages or the least blockages we can have. And if you look in all the prayers on Rosh Hashanah, all the prayers are about what? They're not about all the stuff we're doing now. What are they about, all the prayers in Rosh Hashanah? It's so one main, main theme. It's like over and over again. You're repetitive. A king, you're a king. You are king. You are king. You are king. I'm so glad you're king. You're king. You're, king. you're like, come on. Okay, he knows already. Like, you know, selling him for two days straight, right? <laughs> you're king. You're king. It's not for him. It's for us. It's for us. Why? Because I'm so, feel so separate all the time that I forget. So, to the, so it becomes like a mantra, nearly, like a meditation. In Rosh Hashanah, if you let yourself go with it, stop saying, I'm so hungry, when's lunch, right? If you, if you let yourself get past that, it ends up being that I want to make him king over me, that I surrender myself to your decision-making in my life, that I surrender myself to the fact that there's something bigger guiding my life and I'm not always in control. I'm just not. I don't always know the answers. Tons of things happen in, happens in our life that we don't know why they happen. We don't know it seems unfair or we're in the middle of a story and we don't really get the, we don't have the end of the picture yet and we don't know anything. Like we're really not in control of a lot of stuff in our life. Nothing, right? Health, forget it. No idea how I'd even do that. No idea. No idea how I do that. I'm going to do it, right? And I do it. Like we don't, we don't even know anything. We don't know anything, right? But we don't want to admit that because it feels vulnerable. It feels like scary and... Yeah, but okay, that's what's really going on. God's like, okay, you can believe you're in control. Okay, no problem. I'm happy to give you this and I'm happy to give you that. I'll make your heart beat and I'll make you breathe and I'll give you a job and I'll give you some food and here's a great roommate. And we're, right? Okay, right, make everything happen and yet you believe it's all you. No problem. I love you anyway. Okay? God loves us anyway, no matter what. But it's not the best place for us to be, to, to believe, to feel that all the time, to feel like I'm in control and it's all about. Of course we're partners and we have to put in our effort and we have a we're able to co-create our lives. But we're not in charge, we're not in control. So the level that you can let go of that, the level that you can be aware of that and you can be a willing participant in that. Most people say, God, like you're awesome, like you run the world really well. Like I, I really believe you you know what you're doing, but like when it comes to me, like <laughs> I know it's best. Right? That's how we really feel things down if we're honest with ourselves. Why? How do we know that? Because when something doesn't go the way we want. <gasps> How could you? I don't, I, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? Like, that's how we, right? Am I, is this just me? No, okay. Like, right? Yeah. You know, I can't believe it was, uh, resonated with the mantra, you are king, you are king, you are king. Right, hard. But there's... That's why we took you to Buckingham Palace. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? down to the royalty. Right. Um, so, there was this Native American group called the Pocahontas, who have a mantra that's just like this. Chuba. Native American Chuba. Wonderful. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And it's like when you feel stressed out and you feel tested, like your patience is tested, and I say that like in repetition, and it's like the fact that it's four sentences in a row, it really does calm me down. But I really don't resonate with the tour and what they say with like your pain, your pain. Right, so you have to find your own way to connect into it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Native Americans are, are tapping into what God wrote is tshuva. Yeah. So what we, what we find is that when we, we stumble over truth in the world, that we say, wow, this really resonates, it's true. Yeah. I've never found anything really that doesn't trace back to Torah. Yeah. So, but when we read it in the Torah, it might not sound or feel the same way in the wording or whatever. But it's up to us to connect to it in the way we need to connect to it and make it ours. 
right? Not, not trying to become something we're not. So if that resonates with you, it's really important to connect that into, wow, that comes from my Jewish roots, I have no idea. That's so cool. Like this spoke so deeply to me, and that's interesting. Let me stay with what resonates with me, and let me connect that back into my own heritage, rather than, oh, it's either this or this. Right? Yeah, and it also connects me not when I'm doing something bad, but like if someone's mean to me or something bad happens to me, if you say that, it makes you almost, like, I don't know, it just changes your whole mindset and maintains positivity. Beautiful. For some reason. Right, yeah. have you seen the Shalom Prayer before bed? The no. Shalom Prayer before bed is exactly this idea that I forgive people. I think if anyone would hurt me, whether it was willing or inadvertently, Right, and I, it's going through this forgiveness process. Forgiveness is huge in Judaism. To forgive others and to forgive yourself, right, and to ask for forgiveness from other people. So, you know, and a lot of the major religions obviously draw down this, this idea also, right? So, again, stay with the areas that you do connect with. Don't try and make yourself have to connect in a way or learn more deeply what that concept is so that you do connect, right? We don't relate to kings because we don't have kings. So we don't understand what that means. It's meant to be a symbol of, we used to know what kings were, right? We used to get, we used to know that a king was someone to be looked up to and in awe of, and also kind of scared of because of the power that they had. They could take your head off in one nod. If they nodded at someone, your head was off, right? So there's a certain power and awe and mightiness, and yet they were the ones who were true, true leaders. They really were leaders. They're not like our politicians today. They were true leaders. I'm not mentioning anything when I'm going to politics. But like, yeah, they were true leaders and we really respected them and we really were happy that they were running the country kind of thing. Like we, 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 we respected them, we, we wanted to empower them. We said, we're happy that you're running out my country because I trust you, right? Real kings. So king is used as a metaphor to project to God because God's abstract, is not physical, we don't relate to it in a physical way. But that idea of awe and love and respect all in one, that's what it means that God's king. And I want you to be running my life. I don't want to be that. If I was to run my own life, I would be in serious trouble. I have no idea where I'd, where I'd be ending up really seriously. If I seriously was in charge, like, it would be a disaster, right? But that's the truth. So at the end of the day, I want you to be in charge of my life. I want to let go. I don't want to fight for, the, you know, for this control. Because I don't really want to be in full control. That's scary, right? Because there's an idea that whatever you put your trust in, God lets you kind of have that thing guide your life. I don't want to go there, but whatever, it's scary. Yeah. Um, so I have three fun facts, and then I have a three question. fun facts. I'll tie it back over to nice. Talking about. Okay. Um, Carly mentioned. Do you know uh, Gabrielle Bernstein? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, really she had this mantra: "It's like clarity begins with me." Mm, nice. That's one fact. Yeah. Yes. So it's all about like the balance and the yogis. Second thing I wanted to say is, have you ever heard about how like Buddhism? Buddhism, yeah, all religions come out. Torah, as far as even just chronologically, started first. Mm-hmm. So it's like I see it as a mothership, and out of that drew a lot of principles of many other religions. And in the Torah, it actually says that Abraham was sent to the east with gifts. So that was the beginning of the Eastern religions: was that Abraham was sent to the east with east with gifts, and that gifts, so the gifts were spiritual gifts that began Buddhism. So there's truth in all the religions in certain ways. Um, there's a lot of truth that's spread over the religions. Um, but for a Jew, the Jewish path is usually the one that resonates most with the soul, and it's the one that has the, the more, I guess, um, 
full picture of every area of life. If you look into different paths, they focus on different focuses, morality or, right, like Buddhism doesn't talk about God per se, right, there's certain aspects of truth, um, but they're not necessarily the whole context. But they all rooted out of Judaism, interestingly. Just Okay, so, so, okay, the truth about the Kabbalah, let's just stop the tape. <laughs> <laughs> the truth about the Kabbalah, which you will never hear, 